Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, can we lift our hands all across the house? There's nothing like your presence, Jesus. There's no substitute for your spirit. You satisfy the longing in our heart. You can satisfy the cry of our soul. We lift our voices to you today. Hallelujah. We bless you and we worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. The 136th Psalm says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. I think the psalmist is trying to tell us something. He's the one who's rich in mercy. And he's amazing in grace. He's the one that can lift us up when we're low. He can strengthen us when we are weak. Encourage us when we are discouraged. He can fill us up when we are empty. Truly, there is nobody like our God. Somebody ought to just shout hallelujah. Just say hallelujah another time. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord again. We just love this great church and appreciate each and every one of you so very much. We give honor to Pastor Boyd and Sister Boyd. Love them dearly. and We are just thrilled to be in service again at Hatchbend. And you know what the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We just thankful for all of you today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of St. John, the 18th chapter. We're going to start at verse number 33. We're going to read down to verse number 38, St. John chapter 18, verse 33. And as you're turning there, I want to say how much I appreciate my lovely wife and my son Shiloh. So grateful for their dedication to the kingdom of God and to the ministry, and they are soldiers. I know it because I drag them all across the country. They are soldiers. We've been home for the last week, and before that, we had to go up to Tennessee and then to Indianapolis to preach, and then Ohio, and then back to Indianapolis, then in Memphis, then in Mississippi, and then in Texas, and then we came back home. So needless to say, we're glad to be in Florida. But I love my family and appreciate all they do for the kingdom of God. St. John chapter 18, verse number 33. The scripture tells us this. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I shall bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. All it took was a few moments in the presence of Jesus, and he said, I find no fault in him. But Jesus said, I have come to bring the truth. And that's what I want to preach to us today on this subject. Truth is not on trial. Truth is not on trial. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Can we lift our voices? Let's pray. And let's ask God to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful for the Spirit of the Lord that is here, for the anointing that has already flowed upon the Sunday school teachers and the anointing that has rested upon the singers and the musicians. And God, we're asking now that you would speak to us from your word. Speak with certainty and clarity and conviction. And God, we give you praise and thanks in advance. We give you glory and honor in the name that's above every other name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, we live in an ever-changing world. It seems like now more than ever, people want everything to be faster, quicker, and smarter. Popularity is only momentarily because what is in today will most likely be out by tomorrow. The trends and fads and fashions of the day come, and as quickly as they come, they leave. But when it comes to God and His kingdom, it is simply not the case. Hebrews 13 and 8 says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God that doesn't change. He doesn't falter, and He doesn't fail. He doesn't stumble, he doesn't disappoint, and he never lets us down. Truly, there's nobody like him. There's no monarch that can compare to the king of kings. No politician that's like Zion's righteous governor. No superstar quite like the bright in the morning star. No religious leader like the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. He can do what others simply cannot do. John 9 and 7 said he opened blinded eyes. Mark 7 and 35 said he unlocked deaf ears. John 5 and 9 said he made the lame walk. And Matthew 15, 31 said he made the mute talk. 
Mark 5, 29, he made a blood disorder disappear. In Matthew 17, 27, out of the mouth of a fish, he can make money appear. Mark 1, 31, said he can make the fever leave. In John 20, 29, he can make the doubter believe. Matthew 14 and 25, he could walk on water. Then in John 2, 9, he could turn water into wine. Mark eleven twenty one, he can make the fig tree die. Then in John eleven forty four, he can make the dead man come alive. There's no sickness that he can't heal. There's no disease that he cannot cure. No problem that he cannot fix. No circumstance he can't change. No prayer he can't answer. No addiction he can't break. No sin he cannot forgive. No soul he cannot save. There's nobody like him. Huh? And I think about the miracles that he performed and the sermons that he preached that left destinies changed and futures forever altered. And yet we find Jesus standing on trial, the one that helped the hurting, the one that strengthened the weak, the one that fed the hungry and gave to the poor, is now standing before a leader, standing before a ruler who's trying to comprehend he's trying to understand who is this man that they have brought to me and so they're having this conversation and it's almost like you can see Pilate looking Jesus up and down trying to discern who is this man really and as Jesus begins to talk he speaks about truth and whenever he said that word truth, something must have went right through Pilate. Something must have triggered deep down in the depths of his heart because he responded back. He retorted with a question. He said, what is truth anyway? In other words, his view and perception of truth was something that could be redefined something that could be reinvented, something that can be reformulated. He was looking at truth as something that could change depending upon the one who was talking. But little did he know he was speaking to the man that wasn't just speaking of truth. He was the one that was truth. Jesus said it like this in John 14 and 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. In John 8, 32, he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Psalm 119 and 30 says, I had chosen the way of truth. John 16 and 13, Jesus said, The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to rightly divide the word of truth. Ephesians 4.15 says speak the truth, but speak it in love. And 2 Corinthians 13 and 8 says we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. If I turn my back on truth, I've not hurt the truth, I've hurt myself. 
If I turn and leave from the truth, the truth is going to keep marching on. The truth is going to go forward. The church, the truth is still going to stand. But when I turn away from the truth, all I've done is dig my own grave. All I've done is write my own eulogy. All I've done is seal my own fate. He is the truth, and there's nothing and nobody like him. See, it was years ago in Chicago. The city was having a full-blown crisis on their hands. Residents were sending in complaints one right after another, and all the complaints shared a similar story. It was noted again and again that the residents were explaining to the city that the water had become unsafe. It was unsanitary. It was unfit to drink. And so there was a war that was being waged between the residents and the government officials. The government explained that the water hadn't changed. It was still the same. And yet so many said, no, there is something that is wrong something that is abnormal, something that is irregular that is happening. And finally, they reached an agreement and hired a third party to come and to test the water quality levels, brought in the assistance of the Environmental Protection Agency. And so they ran all of the tests, and when the results finally came back, the residents were pleased to hear that it was made known that the water was unsafe. It had failed all the tests. It did not pass all of the regulatory conditions. And so the people assumed that they had gotten a victory. Something was going to be done. And yet they waited and waited and waited and no action was taken. And so things began to be heated. One right after another, people turned into yelling matches and demanded to know something needed to be done. And so while tensions were escalating, finally, the city of Chicago released a press release. And they assured that the people would be happy with what was done, that they would be pleased with the actions that have been taken. So the city of Chicago said this, and I need to read it to you. They said, together with the help of the Environmental Protection Agency, the minimum standard for safe water qualities has been lowered. Therefore, the city of Chicago's water quality levels now meets the new minimum standards. Hello, somebody. They said, we didn't fix the problem. We just lowered the standard. Can I tell you, that's not a solution. That's not an answer. And that's not a remedy. Because if the water's contaminated, it's still contaminated. If the water's unsafe, it's still unsafe. I don't want you to change the truth so I feel better about it. I need to have the answer so the truth will prevail. Hey, can I preach to us today? We need the truth now more than we've ever needed it before. 
We have got to have it. Because if we have everything except truth, then we really have nothing. Doesn't matter how big the buildings, doesn't matter how large the numbers, doesn't matter how great the accounts, if it's not on the foundation of truth, it's all going to come tumbling down. Solomon said it like this in Proverbs 11 and 3. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I want to build my life on truth. I want to build my future on truth. I want to build my relationship with God on truth. I want to build our church on truth. I want to build evangelism on truth. Truth is still what sets the captives free. It stills what brings deliverance to those that are bound. It's still the hope for a hopeless world. Proverbs 23 and 23 said, Buy the truth and sell it not. Once you buy it, hold on to it. One old pastor said, you got to sink your teeth in like an old bulldog. Grab a hold of it and don't let it go. No matter people try to pull it from you, you got to hold on to truth. No matter people try to explain it away, you got to hold on to truth. Truth is what's going to pay eternal dividends. I think maybe I've shared it once before, but I can remember growing up. Our family never had much money, and so my sister and I were always looking for ways to make some money. And so if there was something you could sell in school, we would sell it. And even if it wasn't allowed to be sold in school, we still sell it. <laughs> and so one day we're sitting on the front lawn, which was a bunch of rocks, and we were sitting on the rocks and we were trying to figure out what we could sell, what we could do to give us some money to buy some toys, buy some stuff that we wanted. And we were racking our brains and finally this idea popped in my head. I'm sitting on this huge pile of rocks and I remember that my dad had bought a can of gold spray paint. And the light bulb went off in my mind. If I could take the spray paint and spray the rocks gold enough, I think I could sell these rocks as gold pieces. And so guess what I did? I opened my backpack up and said, Natalie, pour them in the backpack. And so we spray painted them down and we loaded the backpack up and the fundraising began. Hey, we were doing well. Business was booming. I was selling those gold rocks for only $5 a piece. Can I just pause here to tell you, if it only costs $5, it's probably not worth much. If religion doesn't cost you much, it's probably not worth much. It's not going to mean much when you leave it. But if it costs you something, one pastor said, it's free. It will just cost you your life. Once you've paid for it, once you've invested in it, once you have sacrificed for it, I just can't throw it away for something else. And so we had walked through the hallways of our school and I had sold them to all the friends I could think to sell them. And 
finally referrals started coming in. And my buddies came to me and said, I got a friend that wants to buy some gold rocks from you. Well, I was ready. I reached in my backpack, pulled three or four rocks. I was expecting a big sale. And so their, their friend was standing, and I just kind of laid those rocks in his hand and said, you just look at them and tell me how many you want to buy. And he was looking at these rocks, and he was inspecting a little closer than some of the other buddies that bought Finally, he said this line. He said, you know, my dad sells gold for a living. Hello, somebody. That's all I needed to hear. I said, you can take those rocks. They're yours for free. I got to leave, and I got to leave now. Because I knew it was only going to be seconds. If he knew what the authentic was, he was going to tell this was not genuine. And once you know what the real is, you can't fool me with the fake and with the fraudulent and the phony. Once you have experienced the truth of God's word, and once you know what the real Holy Ghost is, you can't fool me with the tricks and the gimmicks. You can't get over on me with the lights and the fog and the smoke. I know what the real Holy Ghost is. I know it was the truth that Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was that truth that Peter said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That, that truth was preached and it was preached with love. And when we preach the truth in love, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. When we speak the truth in love, the adversary has got to flee. Because he loves us when we are unlovable. He cares for us when nobody else cares. He believes in us and loves us in our lowest moment. Psalm 86 and 5 says that God is ready to forgive. Numbers 14 and 18 says he forgives transgression. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says he forgives iniquity. 1 John 1, 9 said he forgives sin. Matthew 6 and 12 says he forgives debts. Matthew 6 and 14 says he forgives uh, trespasses. Luke 23 and 34 said he even forgives our ignorance. That's how much he forgives. But he doesn't just forgive only. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 says he forgives and he heals. Isaiah 55 and 7 says he forgives and he pardons. Acts 3, 19 says he forgives and he refreshes. Ephesians 1, 7 says he forgives and he redeems. And Hebrews 8, 12, my favorite, he forgives and he forgets. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares for us. He forgives us because he loves us. 
Ephesians 2 and 4 says God's love is great. John 3.16 says God's love is giving. 1 John 3.16 says God's love is sacrificial. Uh, Jeremiah 31 and 3 says God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Ephesians 3.19 says God's love surpasses knowledge. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says God's love is patient. His love is kind. 1 John 4.18 says His love is perfect. His love is fearless. Song of Solomon 8.7 says Many waters cannot quench His love. Floods cannot drown His love. The scripture says the heavens cannot contain His love. The earth is filled with His love. You know why 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. You can't talk about God and not talk about love. You can't talk about love and not talk about God. He is the one that loves us when we are low, when we are lonely, when we are lost. He loves us when we are anxious. He loves us when we are aggravated. He loves us when we are angry. He even loves us when we're bitter. He even loves us when we're broken. You know what? He even loves you when you're backslidden. That's the love that he has for us. You can't run from his love. You can't hide from his love. David said, if I I go up to the heavens, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. He loves us no matter where we are. And when we get to the other side of glory, and when we stand on the, the other side of Jordan, We walk down that street of gold and we see the gates of pearl and the walls of jasper. I know we're going to look for Jesus. I know we're going to look for the one that shed his blood for us. But if there's anybody else that we search and we look for, I'm going to tell you who it is. Brother Boyd, help me real fast. Stand here with me. You know what we're going to do? We're going to find a pastor that preached the truth to us. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm going to find a pastor and I'm going to grab him and I'm going to tell him, thank God you preached the truth. Thank God you didn't water it down. You could have compromised. You could have left it. But thank God you stood for the truth. Thank God there's men that still preach the truth. You know what some of us are going to do when we get there? We're going to find some mamas and some daddies who paved the way. We're going to find some grandmas and some grandpas. And we're going to be able to tell them we may not have lived in the biggest house. We may not have driven the nicest cars. We may not have wore the fanciest clothes. But thank God you instilled something in my heart. Thank God you put something deep down in me. A love for the truth truth is not on trial truth is not on trial somebody ought to stand to your feet and lift your hands with me thank you for the truth (laughs) the truth that I can go home and lay my head on the pillow at night 
and know that he loves me unconditionally. The truth that I have, that I can sleep at night knowing he shed his blood. He gave his life for you and me. Hallelujah. Thank God for the truth. Oh, somebody ought to just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Woo, I feel the presence of the Lord here. In the name of Jesus, if you're thankful for the truth, you ought to let the Lord know. If you're grateful that God has given you a knowledge of the truth, that you can raise your children and raise your grandchildren in the truth. Oh, thank you, God, for a Bible-believing and a truth-preaching church. Thank you for a truth-preaching pastor. Thank you for truth-believing brothers and sisters in Christ. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.